You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This is season two, the season finale. My name is Russ Shaw, your host. Today on the show, Carlton. We're saving some of our best content for the season finale show. Not going to end with a cliffhanger. It's not. You do not have to wait nine months to find out what's going to happen at the end of this episode. We're not that kind of show. What you will hear is us punks being blessed by the presence of Carlton, this fascinating man. Um, Sure, we play offensive punk rock. We say swear words. We push boundaries. We say controversial things about theology and psychology and philosophy. And this man is a fan Here's a guy who is a Lutheran pastor in the Midwest, all right? Midwestern Canada, so just across the border there, up in the Great White North, just north of Big Sky Country, Montana, and the Dakotas. In the Midwest, Lutheran pastor. He's actually uh, our our sole listener-slash-supporter of the podcast, and that's got to pique some curiosity, right? (laughs) This, why, this, this podcast? Yeah, he's just a, he's just a great guy. It's just an amazing conversation with this guy who came all the way to, to see us punks in the Punk Theology studio. My friend Derek's place, the other host of the Punk Theology podcast, along with uh, Steve, Arthur, and of course, the Orthodox man himself. My good friend, John. But wait! Chuck is missing in this episode. Chuck's been missing in a lot of episodes this season. Guess you're going to have to (laughs) check out season three to find out why. See, we are that kind of show. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Well, I know what's wrong. And I know what's right. And I know that evil exists Sure as the day turns into night When a man gets down on his knees to pray You know he'll find what he is able But chances are he'll find it either way Rain fell like judgment Across my window pane Said it fell like judgment But it was only rain what are we talking to Carlton? What are we talking to Carlton, our one supporter and with all the Steve. Patreon. Yeah, so it's Carlton's here visiting from Saskatchewan. That's right. Wow, that's a long way. Canada. Midwestern Canadian. Welcome. Almost due north of the Montana and North Dakota border. Oh. Yeah. Carlton and I have been exchanging emails for, for years. 
Yeah. You're one of my favorite emailers that would email in. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> we would have conversations. Was it you that was telling me, because I'm one of, you know, like I never finished high school. I remember I was talking about cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Was that you that was correcting me with a dissonance? It's not dissonance. No, you said, diss- diss- you said, you were saying dissidence. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a different word. Yeah, and you said like, hey, well, hey Russ, this, this knock that off. You sound like an idiot. <laughs> it's dissonance. No, you didn't say that. But you were, you were friendly. Enough to. Yeah, he was Canadian, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was one of those one of those cool things where where you know even through email, like this is the first time I've met you physically today. Yeah, yeah exactly. And we've known each other for years, but you were one of those guys that you know even through the internet would approach me and go. Yeah. Hey, knock that off. You look like an idiot. You know? It's like one of those things where if you're really a friend with someone, you'll point out that, hey, man, you got some shit yeah, on your right. face. Yeah. And get the spinach out of your teeth. That's right. You have really long nose hair. you got to pull that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like John's friend, you're kind of an asshole. You need to, you need to like, take a break. Um, anyway, back to Carlton. <laughs> Sorry. Um, dude. You, you're, you're going to a thing over here in uh, the Pacific Northwest and, and stop by the podcast. Thanks yep, for yep. coming. Yep. Yeah, thanks. It yeah. just worked out. My, my sweetie's over there doing her uh, course and uh, learning and developing her training on her uh, uh, <coughs> techniques that she does for uh, yeah, as part of her physiotherapy work. What do okay. you do for work? What do I do for work? Well, I'm back in the pulpit. I'm a pastor again. What? Yeah. But this whole I, time I'm saying swear words. Around <laughs> I've, I've been a truck driver for the last few years. So about, gee, close to 10 years of trucking. Mm-hmm. Did it for a few years back in, in the day. Is that oil trucking or just uh, oil Well, oil? I did, uh, went back uh, when I started, uh, it was doing uh, tanking, you know, salt water and emulsion. Okay. Uh, but then the last, uh, that was just for uh, six months or a year. And then uh, did some music teaching and then went back into the trucking after a while, after the economy kind of tanked and people's disposable income reduced and my mm-hmm. number of students crashed. So then, yeah. What kind of music do you teach? Uh, guitar, bass, mandolin, and five-string banjo. Nice. Not necessarily cool. in that order. Nice. <laughs> uh, so you... Uh, you went through a divorce back in what year? Well, I'm still in the process. It's been over a year. Okay. It's been over a year since the, the court case was finalized and waiting for the judge's final ruling. Yeah. So they don't seem to be in a big hurry to finish these things. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah things went south a few years ago with some... Um, I kind of... Well, I blew up the marriage. Oh, yeah. So I blew up the marriage, but I, in retrospect, there's probably a part of me that was just desperate to do that because just some of the long-standing dysfunction that uh, that I wasn't able to address directly because of being too Scandinavian for my own good. How old are Thirty years, pretty much. Oh my goodness! Uh, yep, got. Wow. Uh, is it like an empty nester thing that contributed to it? Like you got uh, kids? Yeah, well, uh, finally when the last one went out, uh, the things that hadn't been getting better, um, I just decided that getting kicked out of the house by my police, by the police, woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and told I was being violent. Just got old. Wow, uh, yeah. So, yeah. That'll do it. 
Wow. And I was, we, we were having that conversation. I think I was in that kind of Christian-y time in my life, too, where, you know, I'm not going to let this thing die or whatever. And, and you were one of those really cool people in my life that was like, you know what? Sometimes it's got, it's got to die, man. Like, well, it's okay, divorce isn't a sin or whatever. Well, Who cares? It's just like, like sometimes divorce happens. Sometimes divorce is actually the best thing well, for your own mental uh, health and uh, your own well-being. A thing that's been dead for a while just needs to be buried because it's just rotting. That's, yeah, that's another one. Oh, so did you listen to ASI before you started listening to us? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I had listen, listened to ASI from the beginning. I think you I guys go to every back. single one oh, of the episodes. Okay. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Start from the beginning. <laughs> wow. So tell us about your sexual integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Finally figured out that uh, being perfect was kind of overrated and kind of tiring. Really impossible. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you just gotta. Start learning to accept yourself and stop beating yourself up so much because it's really not that helpful. Yeah. And um, yeah, part of it is uh, well, I'm just in a very different relationship now with, and and the fact <coughs> that that I'm now with somebody who is a very very different person indicates to me that maybe I've done some work mm. because yeah. usually uh, you will just repeat. The same, you just find the same person with a different mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's usually the way it works. And I've seen it happen again and again to people around me. Like, oh, yeah, you found another one. Yeah, yeah. marry your mother. Four times. Different. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! The <laughs> <laughs> sign of the cross on that. Yeah. Oh dear God! Yeah. <laughs> so, what church are you pastoring? It's a little. Lutheran Church out in the in the wilds of Saskatchewan. And, are they uh, ELCA? Uh, well, it's uh, it's um, sort of the the daughter church, the ELCA. Okay. It's the ELCIC or the EIEIO Church, as some people. <laughs> it's the alphabet soup. There's lots of different like, abbreviations, but uh, it's basically the more. The less conservative, the more right. the more uh, open, more liberal. Is it as liberal Although, as is uh, the ELCA? Um, depends on where you are. And if you're in uh, if you're in small town Minnesota, probably about the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> but like women are ordained, yes, homosexuals fact, are ordained. At this point, we probably have well, there's there's definitely more female than male clergy mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, ELCIC. And yeah, they, it's, there's, the decision was made. It was very long, uh, uh, hard fight, but uh, the, it's officially affirming, gay affirming. Mm-hmm. And that was not an easy thing. And it's still controversial in the small towns. Sure. Yeah. But a lot of, uh, it, it resulted in a lot of uh, little towns, churches going somewhere else, mm-hmm. Lutheran Brethren or some other more conservative denomination yeah. it's even kind of spawned a new one really? I don't even know the name of a it, new that's, denomination that's yeah. Yeah. Protestants well, yeah. that's Protestants exactly that's, <laughs> that's right well that's the you know the, the Desert Island Baptist story everybody knows that one what's that I don't know. I haven't heard that one. Okay. No, no. This, well, everyone accepted everybody. Okay. Oh, well, maybe it's a Canadian story. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. there's this guy who's, uh, who gets washed up on a, in a desert island. Uh, he's, he's all alone out there. And after 10 years, uh, finally somebody sees his uh, smoke signals and, and a boat comes along and they rescue him. And 
wow, you, you've been here 10 years. It looks like you've done pretty well for yourself. The place looks well set up. Oh, yeah. Said, well, can you show us around? Said, well, yeah. Here's my house. And uh, here's, uh, here's the church that I built because uh, you know, it's part of my life and it had to be important. Now, what's that building over there? Oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. That's right. I believe that one. Did you go to seminary? Oh, yeah. You have an MDiv? Yeah, MDiv. Wow. Nice. How, How long, long ago? How long did B you do that? a Bachelor of Arts, major in music, and an MDiv. So, yeah. How long did you do the pastor thing? How long did I do the pastor thing? Well, uh, well you're, you're doing years. it again now, right? Yeah, I did for about uh, four or five years. And, uh, yeah, about five years, I think. Okay. It's kind of it's a little fuzzy because my internship was an off-site supervised internship and the supervisor was primarily a church secretary. But that's not a bad thing because that's the person in the congregation who knows the most. You know, the church secretary supervising you, you've got a, you've got a really good supervisor. Somebody who knows what's actually going on. <laughs> some, some guy who's at or near retirement from uh, quite a few miles away uh, is not somebody who's going to be able to guide you into what's actually happening <laughs> and the interpersonal relationships to navigate and all of that. So that was, that was good. So as a sitting pastor, uh, I'm... Sometimes like, standing. Cur- what's that? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes standing. Sitting, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. standing. That's part of the liturgy. <laughs> what I found <laughs> interesting is that... calisthenics, please rise. <laughs> you may be seated. Right. <laughs> One of the things I find super interesting and, and curious about is why, why you support this thing, <laughs> what we're doing here. What, what, what is your uh, interest in... in kind why, of, why do you listen to this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Purely to, to further my sense of humor. Okay. Because it's honest talk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people are going through real shit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, it's too often in the church there is a fear of real things. There is. And, uh, a, or at least a discomfort. And, uh, um, but the smaller the community, the harder it is to keep everything hidden and the more people end up having to deal with it anyway because there's a dark side and it's like the force there's a dark side and a light side Uh like duct tape Uh, there is you know everybody knows your business but the the positive part of that is that they do care Mm -hmm. so yeah they're going to be all up in your business but the fact is if you need something they'll be there for you and and people do pour their lives into each other's lives and you know in a small town you're going to see that person at the rink and the, and the co-op and uh, you're 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 living together and you're you're making your lives in the same place yeah in a healthy community yeah because <laughs> there's other communities where people do divide it up and yeah you're not part of my world so i'm not going to do anything to do with you and there's less of a willingness to to be patient with and listen to each other, but that's easier to do in a bigger place where you got more selection. Yeah, yeah, that's true. yeah. Like what's happening in Chicago with Bill Hybels and James McDonald and these guys, and I think a lot of the, that that teaching, like there's all these sermons about how, you know, I mean Bill Hybels talking about integrity and and all the books he wrote on sex and stuff like that, and then it, all this stuff comes out. It's like he's preaching to himself, sure, but then the not living in the light. Is yeah, yeah. exactly. We, but, we but, preach the sermons we need to hear. Yeah, 
But if you're not doing something like what we're doing here, where you're actually living it and everyone sees it, that's interesting, that small town analogy. I'm going to use that because that's really cool. Because in, in a city like Seattle, for example, in, in with Mars Hill, you know, you could just blend in with a crowd. And sure, you're coming to community group or whatever, but you can still fake it there. But you bump into, you know, Bob at the tavern when there's only one tavern in town. <laughs> it's really hard to hide, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Um, How big is your town? I, I, I haven't actually got the numbers. It's probably six, seven hundred. And then, whoa, that's wait, wait, the, wait. That's the thousand? Hundred. Hundred oh. people. It's <laughs> yeah. like a mega church right there. It's yeah. a, it, oh, it's way smaller than a mega church. There's six hundred thousand there. <laughs> I know. I just yeah. was, I there's a million people in Saskatchewan, all, uh, roughly. That's a yeah, big in the entire province. Yeah, it's a yeah. big province. Uh, and yeah, it's it's got more roads than yeah. any other jurisdiction. Like there's more miles of road per person in Saskatchewan than anywhere else in the world. Wow. Because. Your road trippers got gotcha. yeah. so flat, very flat. Yeah. Well, most of it's pretty flat, but there's yeah. there's some places where there's it gets pretty rolly in parts. Yeah, you got to watch your engine brakes on your trucking around Swift Current. <laughs> there's a couple of two mile long hills that you don't want to get in trouble on. Yeah. So how big's your church? Well, I got to two point, and uh, we got to probably. 35, 40 people in in the larger one in in the town, and the other point is out in the country, about six or seven miles south, and uh, we get about a dozen to twenty people on a Sunday there. Well, I'm missing and points. Like there, there's two, two uh, there's nine. You're multi-site. You, you can call it campuses, <laughs> but it, these all started off as independent churches out in the country. And uh, more and more depopulation, meaning less and less people over time. Uh, like in the 60s, 50s, 60s, there was a lot of people out on the farm uh -huh. and starting to leave. Probably the peak would have been during World War II, the peak of the numbers of people in the rural settings. So like this little country church was built in 1906. Pretty close to 1906. It's it's over 100 years old, and uh, there are no, there is no farm or no town there. The nearest person to the church is about a mile and a half away, two miles away, wow. and uh, but it's vibrant. It's a vibrant little community. They're committed to keeping going and helping each other, and uh, it's lovely. And they've partnered with the uh, the church in the town to the north. And uh, there may be there may be another small struggling congregation. They're interested in exploring some sort of partnership. So I don't know how would, that would work. Because I can't really do three on a Sunday. How many churches in the town? Four. Four. Oh wow! There's a Lutheran, a Catholic, a uh, um, um, Alliance, and United. Okay. United United Church of Canada is something that's came up um, a merger of Presbyterians and uh, and uh, a couple of other denominations. That's a Greta Vosper's part of that, right? You know, who she is she's yes. kind of an interesting, controversial person. But they, yeah, the uh, United, United Church is really interesting. <laughs> Sounds like they've it. got a a powerful, powerful social gospel message that they've really been strong mm -hmm. with and. Uh, They've that's they bring a really needed perspective, um, because 
ten times can you know it's very easy for the church to get uh, very spiritual and forget that there's actual people hungry and and uh, you know, yeah. needing clothes and in prison and uh, turns out that's kind of where Jesus is according to him yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's those folks right and if you're not doing that what are you doing meeting and trampling the courts of the Lord and <laughs> offending the you know what got you back in after such a long break yeah because you went through kind of a bloody breakup with the church a little bit right yeah well you broke up and then you got back together yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well it, it just became very clear that in in the relationship I was in it would not work to go back in relationship with the church that my my wife oh was uh yeah it was anytime i started moving in that direction everything's really dramatic Uh so just okay we'll do something else and uh yeah when the uh when my uh youngest one moved out and went on his own and uh i was still being in the it just I, i i Finally, my, my Viking blood got up to where it's time to uh, get back in the longboat. Right. Because that's your creative, that's your energy, right? Like you, you got to exercise your your music skills, your yeah. creative skills, your communication. Yep. Um, I'm a good preacher. And I, I'm very good with funerals. And I get along well with people. And I'm... Uh, uh, there's lots of different ways to characterize people, but I think I like the dog analogy. There's different kinds of people. There are some people that are pit bulls. <laughs> you got to be careful how you handle them. There are some people who are uh, who are Pekingese and they just yap 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 all the time. <laughs> and uh, there are some people who are golden retrievers, are incredibly faithful and very calm. I happen to be a kind of a border collie. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to kick me once in a while because I jump up a little too much. Mm. But I, 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 I'm a Chinese pug. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that many wrinkles. I'm a cat. Uh, <laughs> a what? I'm a cat. Uh, we have two cats. <laughs> we have two cats. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah. We like cat people. John and I were talking about. Uh, we've had this kind of ongoing thing between religion and and uh, and relationship. No. Well, no, between religion, unity, maybe. Or what's spiritual, what's religious, you know. It's this when are you, when are you lo- no longer Christian? The, you know, Jesus was anti-religion, and he came over. Yeah, God, yeah, and that was like, me. like, well, if that's true, then how come the church started and the apostles were called? And anyway, it, it's like, it, it, I, and what I always tell him is like, it, seems, it feels like a false dichotomy to me because religion's like anything. It can be used for good or for ill, and at its best... I mean, I think um, a lot of liturgical Christians use it as like, a, I think the word technology mm-hmm. is even used or employed. Uh-huh. Like like at its best, it's, it's a technology to help you remove the distractions in your life and hopefully bring you closer to love and embodiment and <clears throat> Christ or God, whatever you identify that to well, be. From an anthropological, anthropological, anthropological perspective, <laughs> it's valuable because it makes people do the same thing for a really long time. And there's no other way. Nobody's ever figured out a better way to get yeah. people to do the same thing over and over and over again. Together. Yeah, together. Yeah. Uh, than religion. And to pass it on. If yeah. you tell them, this is smart, 
and healthy, you should do this, they won't fucking do it. But if you tell them God wants you to do it, <laughs> and you go to hell if you don't. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's a hack. Right, exactly. It's a hack. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Sure. Yeah. And that's like what orthodoxy, or the orthodox church is the oldest social, um, still working organization of humans on the planet, right? That hasn't broke up. Ah, the synagogue ago, older Jews. Yeah, maybe the Jews. Jews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jews. Yeah. That's true. The, Jews the Taoist tradition goes back a long ways, too. Oh, that's true. So, yeah. Do they meet formally, though? Well, let's be clear. Well, if they're an organization, the it's, Taoists are. It's well, Satanism. Satanism is where they are. <laughs> 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 some pretty that's old the examples, too. <clears throat> so what, what gets you there? Like, what makes you get up there on the pulpit i mean faith is like talk about that a little bit i want to hear more so do you have this drive or would you call it a for lack of a better word calling to the pulpit is it this internal pull it's jesus that and the uh, the message of the infinite the ineffable making humanity home and thereby bringing humanity into a relationship with the infinite that we can't get to. Um, and I, I can let go of just about everything except Jesus. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Old Testament really has no concept of uh, an eternal soul. There, there's no heaven in the Old Testament. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. And there's precious little in the New Testament as well. It's, it's not really about that. It's about relationships and love and whether or not we care for one another and, the, and, that's, and, and how we care for one another. And uh, Jesus lays out his message is that, um, that love is where it's at. You know? mm-hmm. Um, this is how you'll they'll, if anybody uh, now it's of course it's probably the, the church saying this and putting the <laughs> words in the in, in the mouth of Jesus but uh, but uh, this is how they'll know your mind by if you love one another mm-hmm. and uh, that's a pretty darn good message I mean if you can get people to love one another because the natural tendency is often just to be competitive to to be a dog eat dog, consumed with scarcity. <laughs> consumed with scarcity. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, but um, it's a way for people then to uh, to work together and to learn to love one another more effectively. And I see organizations like the one that we support, Canadian Lutheran World Relief, just doing incredible work and um, building dams in Ethiopia and bringing villages out of poverty by helping them, by giving them the guidance to build their own dam Mm -hmm. and build their own irrigation system by bringing in people who've got transits and levels and can help them build something that's not going to fall apart and say, well, we do this because God loves you and we love you and we don't want you to starve. So enjoy it's, your new dam. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting uh, parallel with, uh, again, John and I's conversation <laughs> with what, what is religion? Because I think that's that's even in the Bible, right? The definition of religion is Caring for helping widows and orphans. Exactly, in their need, yeah. in their affliction, even. 
And that also goes to grace. Like that's an intellectual technology. Peter Rollins talks about mm-hmm. that the grace being this intellectual technology that lets us live in the <coughs> ambiguity of relationships with oh, by other the way, humans. thanks for introducing me to the thought and teaching of Pete Rollins. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a really interesting he's, guy. I'm trying to get a grasp of a better grasp on pyrotheology because I, I, I really love the name. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think he liked it. Fire. <laughs> yeah. He liked our punk theology idea too. That's why he he sat down with us there at McMinimum, so it was pretty cool. In front of the poppy fireplace. But uh, yeah, you were you were going with with uh, with with talking about Naughty Bolts Weber and that, that what she was saying about sex, and you were you were kind of pushing on that part of where it's where it's not biblical. I think I was I'm still like trying to pull out of you some of that, like where Russ is talking to John. <laughs> I'm talking with John, by the way. Yeah, not not Carlton. <laughs> That's good. Oh, thank you for the visual. Why are you so obsessed with sex? Right? Part, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that never happened. The sex part, because I don't know. For a little Lutheran. For me, it's it's like well, well, she's yeah, she's saying that. I'm not like I don't know if I would agree that it's unbiblical that she's talking about sleeping with her boyfriend or whatever it is after divorcing not, her that, husband that's, that's and getting not, out of a sexual marriage. That's not that's not quote unbiblical. No, I don't know. It depends on who's who's translating the Bible. By right? who's like any translation, like that's not unbiblical to to have sexual relations outside of marriage. Well, what is a marriage? <laughs> See, then we start to get down to these defining yeah, rules I mean, of things. You yeah. can do that. You can do that, yeah. but but you know, and what is huge value in this level of pedanticism? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I, for one, am really excited where this is going. <laughs> But it's also like what Carlton was saying about uh, about what the the church is doing in in, uh, in the third world and helping with dams and stuff like that. Here in Seattle, we have Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Bill Gates has given away billions and billions of dollars, and also encourages other billionaires to be philanthropists. And, and has done a pretty good job of and if they can, that if they can eliminate malaria, that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, yeah. they're on the edge of doing it, yeah. and they're buying up. Patents for drug companies and just giving it away, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to buy, you know, the 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 stuff. So so there's like a, I, I, so I miss that connection between. So I'm sorry, I'm trying to like where where it's where it's just the like like what you were saying about your relationship with Jesus and mm. and it just being about a spiritual thing, a spiritual thing. A, a, you know, how do we get there as humans? How do we get to Bill Gates? Making so much money and then giving it all away, even though he wouldn't—he wouldn't profess that he's doing it in the name of God. But he is because he's but an he image is God. Because, right? Exactly. That's more. I don't know. I guess that's where I go with some of that. So, so I, I listened to a podcast interview today with Nadia Bowles Weber, who's a famous Lutheran American progressive pastor figure. She's written books. She's given lectures. She's an interesting person. And without tying it to her specifically, well. One of the things she was talking about, but it doesn't have to be tied to her specifically, is there seems to be a move in psychology in therapeutic circles with Christians, um, either as the therapist or uh, being the recipients of therapy, where there's just a lot of talk about words like differentiation and integration. So differentiation meaning like you're a self-sufficient person and you have relationships and you value people and relationships, but you're still self-standing 
And God becomes like that, where God stops becoming an external, like something out there uh, <coughs> versus something in here, right? Um, not that it's an either or, because God, I think the healthy way to look at God, uh, from my view, is God's both out there and in here. But anyway, I think a lot of evangelicals were conditioned to believe God's out there, and you're separated from him because you're a sinner and you need to repent. Okay. And one area this really manifests itself is in the area of sexuality. <clears throat> because we're sexual creatures and you know any any teenage boy that grew up in evangelicalism yeah. felt guilty for jerking off at least you're thinking opinion. about boobs again aren't well, you I'm a, I'm a, aren't you i'm a primate you're oh, putting wait, no, jesus up there on that cross again aren't you you, you killed him <laughs> you right. jerking off killed him no seriously <laughs> well i know seriously. i know like, i'm not even kidding yeah, yeah. And, and it's dark it's fucking heavy. And, and now i think it's a healthy move to say, let's integrate your spirituality with your sexuality, make you a whole being so you're not so divided against yourself. That's a lot of cause for your angst, your depression, whatever yeah. it is you're struggling with. Living secret lives. Se I mean, it secrecy. encourages that kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Now, I agree wholeheartedly, but what, we, what I was asking just sort of before we start recording as I'm processing this is... Integration's great. It's psychologically healthy. I get how you would embrace it from a spiritual standpoint. I'm tracking with you, Russ. I get that. But at what point, you know, as you, if you identify as a Christian, if you're just making shit up, do you cease to be a Christian? Because as I look at history, tradition, the Bible, I don't see a lot of that sort of integration there. Now, maybe you could say that's uh, a... Uh, uh, sort of progressive revelation of the Holy Spirit as we evolve and uh, you know humanity gets closer to God and we've figured out through psychology, neuroscience, the integration is indeed a better way to be a human, to be embodied. But, um, but again, I look at history, tradition, the Bible and go, I don't see it there. And I'm just seeing that kind well, of disconnect. Part of it I'm seeing it's that interpreted in, in English, right? I mean, it was well, written in a, English. I uh, better answer to that. Okay. <laughs> There's a very long tradition in Christianity, probably the longest tradition in Christianity, of making shit up. <laughs> like, that's totally like, right? Okay. Like, Paul made oh, a lot yeah. of fucking shit up. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he, he played he, fast he, and loose. He put a label of the Holy Spirit on it. I mean, no, he, he was really, divinely inspired. Don't right. Worry. <laughs> but when he really, like, yeah. like, that's what he says it was. But, but. There's no way to tell the difference between the Holy Spirit telling him stuff and him just making shit up. Mm -hmm. And basically every early father in Christianity mm -hmm. was sitting around making shit up and saying it was the Holy Spirit. It may have been the Holy Spirit. It may have been them making shit up. It may have been 50-50. We don't know. There's no way to tell. Well, the teaching and the tradition is that well, all of these books are written over a long period of time. Right. Yeah. And uh, up until relatively recently that was fairly flexible. I mean, it took right. a few hundred years to decide which books are going to be in the canon, and as recently right. as Luther, Luther argued that he wanted to take James out because he don't like it. And that's correct. He didn't push the right, right, push the right grace buttons, and it, it, it uh, gave too much comfort to those who wanted people to pay attention to works. and so you have yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. So... That, that argument might not even be over yet, and maybe you know, maybe some of Paul's stuff is not going to stand the test of times. You know, a thousand years is not a long time in the history of the world, but it's a long time in our personal histories. Yeah. But uh, <coughs> I mean, the, the Roman Catholic Church has a much better perspective on that because they do have a longer timeline mm -hmm. in terms of yeah. of the time, and we only are really aware of the history that's 
we personally are only aware of the history in our lifetime, and that's just yeah. not Roman, even a blink, half a quarter of a blink of an eye. The Roman Catholic Church <coughs> used to be very, very flexible. Yes. And people that, would, people had had some freedom to just kind of make stuff up and try different things, and then Protestantism happened, and then they started they losing them. people, so then they had to go hard mm -hmm. as well as a response mm -hmm. to try and maintain people, because Protestantism offered certainty and happened to be a period in... Protestantism also started poking holes in a lot of the fringe well, yeah. aspects, too. So they had to tighten up their, right. because right. they were, you know, falling under a lot of criticism. Dogma became a lot more important. Yeah. Now, I don't know about all of, all, of the, all of the reformers, but certainly Luther did not want there to be a schism. No, that's true. He yeah. fought and fought and fought and fought to keep it together and keep in and keep the big tent and everybody in the tent. Now, it kind was... Of. Erasmus was, fought and fought and fought and got hated by both sides. <laughs> too. Luther gave up. Well, Luther got kicked out. <laughs> we threw 95 feces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was Erasmus was like that Luther or the, or the Catholic Church. <laughs> you didn't ask my sister about that when she was uh, here. What? Oh, the 95, yeah, I the 95 feces. She's got to come back. But well, I think that... Yeah. The making shit up part is like, well, Jesus, I mean, when Jesus was asked a direct question, he never answered it with like, yes or no. There was always right. a story. He would always answer things with a story. And In Jesus, fact, his most common criticism from his disciples is that you won't get anything <laughs> solved. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's part of that, the conversation, well, too. Explain, this, explain a parable by telling a different story. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Explain a parable with a parable. Answer a question with a question. See, yeah. that's where it's helpful to look at the Jewish tradition of just arguing about everything yeah. all the time. Four Jews, yeah. five opinions. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. beautiful. It's a very Midrash, you're just seeing, like, you're in a conversation with God, you know? It's... It's a healthy way uh, to think of it. The story about the two rabbis been fighting for 20 years about this topic, and finally one of them says, I think that we need to just uh, make sure that we get this straight. God, which is it? And uh, God comes down and says, it's Rabbi Joe. You know? And uh, the other guys, and both of them say, wait a minute. You don't have a right to get in this. We're arguing about you. This is our tradition. And God says, you're right. Argue on. <laughs> yeah. There's this really good comic that my wife gets, uh, and it's about an Orthodox girl, and it's a fantasy story about an Orthodox girl, and, but it's mostly about her relationship with her stepmother hmm. and how frustrated she gets with her stepmother because her stepmother will ask her a question that seems like it has a fairly straightforward answer, and, uh, and then she'll give the straightforward answer, and her stepmother will immediately step from another perspective and argue that one and make her defend herself from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And then once once they've always argued argued the whole thing out and this little girl's been convinced that her stepmother's perspective on that is correct and she comes to her cell side and the stepmother takes another perspective and starts arguing that. And that's very much the Jewish upbringing of you just keep shifting keep. your perspectives. That's really mm -hmm. important. Be flexible. And that's how you learn how to yourself. do that yeah. is is you all yeah here's the topic and you're obligated to have at least three perspectives and the more you get the more jewish you are <laughs> and you value relationships in that too because even though those those jewish guys all sit at the table and argue you know they'll get angry and stuff they'll still you know share a beer later at the pub like they, they don't they don't get all butt hurt well it's not a debate <laughs> it's yeah. not a debate it's a dialectic yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's how that was 
Yeah, and I think that's where you get subjective and objective philosophy, right? And I think that's part of the making shit up part. Like, I interviewed the, the author of The Shack, and that's one thing that he told me. He said, this, this, this story, The Shack, is about my life. And he said, it's fiction. I made it up. But it's a hundred percent true, right? You know, well, same with Jesus. Jesus in the in the in the parables, like those are all, he made those up. C.S. Lewis said the same shit about like lying, watching the wardrobe, like yeah, yeah. confronting yeah. them, like like how much of this is allegory, <laughs> how much do you actually believe? And he was like, yeah, both, yeah, yeah both, yeah. <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I believe all of it's allegory, and I believe it all. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And he was asked about that too, like, why do you write fiction? He said, because you write really cool theology books, we love your theology books, but then you got to go write Narnia or something like that. Which is the best theology ever wrote. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. He said, he said, he said, he said, fiction in those stories, the subjective gets past people's watchful dragons, you know, because we all have those, those, you know, intellectual sort of gates, especially Christians, like, oh, you're starting to talk about mysticism or that sounds new agey, you know, that's one of those. Guards come up, and but fiction gets past some of that. It brings that subjective, I like relational value. And I like uh, people get nervous about Eastern religions, but I like to remind people that Christianity is an Eastern religion. You're the one that kept well, when you went to Orthodoxy, like I had a problem with it. Like John and I had I, like arguments, like he's becoming religious. Like I was like, fuck, there's guys in yeah. beards and robes. Yeah. And, and then I and then I interviewed Paul Young, and that whole story is very that's orthodox. Like he would say it's orthodox. Orthodox to the core, the yeah. shack. That's an orthodox worldview of the Trinity. I mean, they don't think God is looks like Oprah, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he needed a God that looked like Oprah at the time. You but know. when I was talking, maybe clumsily describing that tension, Carlton, about um, integration of one's sexuality and the tension there might be in Christianity. What would you say of that as a pastor? Is that something you recognize, and how do you handle that in your counsel to people? Yeah, in the in the Western Church, especially in North America, mm-hmm. we've just gotten this fixation where sex is not just a big thing; it's sometimes it seems to be the only thing. We're pretty sex obsessed, aren't we? And, and yeah, is that a I human mean, thing or a Western? I'm asking, like I. I think you go back a little further into the history, and it's a lot less obsessed, a lot healthier. Oops. How far back? Maybe it's a product of the, uh, like, like fundamentalism coming out of the. Yeah, that fundamentalism is one of the worst heresies that's come along in the past two thousand years. I mean, it's just so destructive, and it's so recent. It's the air we breathe. It's like it really only got hold, really started taking hold in the nineteen forties, fifties. You know, and the fundamentalism was just swept just about everything away and I think that uh, if, if you know if it continue if it was to continue long enough on question it could just destroy the church all utterly because mm-hmm. it, it's it's a way of looking at the world that is really untethered from from an honest look at life and at the scriptures I mean these if you want to try to interpret the Bible using a literal word for word literal like you got to twist your brain into some pretty serious <laughs> pretzels because yeah. you got to deal with the fact that Mark's Jesus is very different from John's Jesus. And you've, that there, was a, there was a chance to, to solve that dissonance a while ago. 
uh, a long time ago when uh, when Origen wrote the Didache, this is uh, harmony of the four gospels, and wisely or unwisely, if you happen to be a fundamentalist, the church decided, no, we want four different perspectives. And they quashed, and actually uh, the only successful book-burning campaign in history has been done by churches. And this is where they decided to destroy the Didache and keep the four Gospels. And we don't have a copy of that, that harmonized book. Yeah. Now, we only have quotes of parts of it. But they decided we want to keep the four different perspectives, and we'll, we'll throw Paul in for the good. So we got five Jesus, and we can deal with that. And we can uh, we can then try to f try to keep those intention in conversation. And what fundamentalist wants to do fundamentalism wants to do is to have one way to say everything, and you are going to be right, and everybody else can be wrong, and they're going to go to hell. Yeah. The Didache was something I encountered through Orthodox catechesis that was fascinating to me. I never encountered it as a Western Protestant at all. It, what is it? It's this. It's a second century writing that that gives instruction on how to do liturgy mm. and it a lot of it kind of looks like an orthodox church service so it's mm. like you know how to baptize someone how to give the eucharist it's like all kind of outlined there right you, you can read it it's fascinating so if you think it's religious well no, it goes back to like the yeah. second century this is the way christians were actually worshiping practicing yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting but but do you, i do you think that that uh Growth of fundamentalism came out of the need for certainty after the horrors of World War II. The Enlightenment mm -hmm. probably probably put a big fire under it and mm -hmm. sped it up because yeah, the world was became suddenly so chaotic and and then people searching for uh, some anchor of solidity. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think it just caught fire even more in the Cold War. I'd heard that it was a response to the liberalization of the education system in America. Like all the universities and, and stuff. The enlightenment yeah, and, and science. It, it's, it's, a, it's an anti-enlightenment reaction, right. too, because, yeah, uh, questioning everything in the end. Question nothing! Yeah, I've heard that, too. Yeah. Like it's a, it's, it was trying to make uh, Christianity scholastically rigorous right. to stand up to science. the yeah. science that was burgeoning at the time. Yeah, the problem is the the yeah. the, the uh, maybe we the church had gotten a, uh, an addiction to the scholastic rigor of the scholastics in the Middle Ages. They wanted to go back to that, yeah. make that theology sense. great again. Yeah, <laughs> make theology great. Again. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So, an interesting an interesting a liter literary history is Dracula. Dracula came out like thirty. 30 or 40 years after the origin of the species, you know, which is kind of an interesting view, a subjective view of ego. Like, here the vampire is just just pure ego. Like, that's and what we're Peter. afraid of. We need to, you know, he's afraid of the cross, Not right? And always at night, and there's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting kind of a... Uh, that came out of a sort of a, a churchy place in, in art history where this guy was reacting, I think, uh, Bram Stoker was reacting to to the origin of species becoming a bestseller <laughs> <laughs> and freaking out about that. Like, what what will happen to the world? All people turn into vampires. So sexual suppression was a, a consequence of the Enlightenment. Were then people of faith more sexually integrated prior to that? Probably. Vampires love sex, by the way. 
<laughs> I think they just drink the blood. I don't know if they Do get they? busy. Oh. I, I think it depends on what version. You yeah, know. right. <laughs> yeah. They're those like uh, monogamous Mormon vampires that all the women like. Uh, the, the Twilights. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they are. They're monogamous. Uh, no, yeah. not even a celibate, or they don't. They, they have to like wait or something. So the werewolf came around to explain that. Are we calling this episode oh, vampires? What True love waits to bite you Why are we talking about later? vampires? <laughs> That's interesting, Carl. I haven't thought about that. I, that? I, I don't know that through. I don't know what case studies can be pulled from history, or, or you know, like before Kinsey, or how like sexuality was even like studied but that, that's an interesting question like was were people more integrated uh, prior to our kind of post-enlightenment post-fundamentalist uh, american north american era that we breathe i think i mean honestly and i brought this up before mm-hmm. part of it is just sex when it comes to civilization sex will ruin your life <laughs> and it'll ruin the life of everybody around you like like having 20 kids or like having sex once and now it turns out there's a 50% chance your wife will fucking die in childbirth yeah, because you had sex yeah. one time yeah. or syphilis coming through and literally turning London into a zombie town mm-hmm. or like like sex had huge fucking consequences <laughs> yeah. and there was just a natural anxiety that came out of that of like yeah. maybe we just shouldn't because yeah. the because it just wrecks havoc on Bolt Swaver talks about that in her book in Shameless and the, the title Shameless and a lot of it she talks a lot about technology, you know? Yeah. Like, we didn't have the technology, yeah. so shame became sort of a, you know, like a needed thing to help people well, once stop. Once again, religious came to the, religion <laughs> came to the rescue because we didn't have any other way to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So just, just turn into a religious thing of don't do it at all, and maybe society can yeah. survive a little bit, and we can not have every woman have 20 kids or die in their 20s. Exactly. I mean, now we even have a pill for HIV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it, also what happened prevent, is in, prevent in, HIV, to be clear. Is in, <laughs> in the '60s, treating it's still very, very difficult. The, yeah. We hit the cusp of that, and then everybody got way overexcited and had all kinds of free and open sex, and we weren't at a point technologically where we could really deal with it. And so then there was a backwards, a backlash on that yeah. from Christianity of. Yes, and then HIV, and look at all these fucking hippies. Um, look how they're ruining their lives, and then we actually like subtly got to the point where emphasis like, actually, on fucking hippies. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Got to the point where it's like actually technology's kind of gotten to the point where <coughs> where it's a lot easier to. I can stay home and have off. sex with myself. <laughs> <laughs> or you can buy a robot to do that for you. <laughs> and Google's that's coming to you, and they'll know when to sell it to you because they've been watching and they know when you need it. Yep. That's right. Oh man. Got your patterns down. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like see, a, What was that movie? Uh, Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. It was a great movie. Where the, the robot is made from an amalgamation of that guy's porn preferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was a nice reveal. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. And then she escapes at the end. Spoilers! Spoilers! Spoilers. Fuck! Sorry. No respect. <laughs> no respect. If you haven't seen that movie, like, I have that was like, it's you haven't? <laughs> don't, no, don't come okay, and that. Sorry, Carlton, I, <laughs> okay, I just ruined it for you. I haven't <laughs> seen most movies, because that's a good one to freak you out. Yeah. So we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, Carlton, yeah, any uh, words of wisdom as you... Uh, ooh, ooh. A benediction of sorts? Yeah. A benediction of sorts, yes. <laughs> well... I uh, 
I think theology should be as punk as possible. Mm. Yeah. I think that uh, there's been way too much rigidity and certainty. Mm. And certainty is kind of like large, large amounts of money it tends to get toxic. Yeah. Um, and you got to be very careful with it. Um, and I've learned to question myself way more than I used to and to assume that probably I don't have as good a handle on things as I like to think I do. Yeah. But um, a theology that is a, a negative theology mm -hmm. that says, well, uh, I know it's not this and I think it's not that, and but I might be wrong. Uh, is one that's going to be a lot more open to reality. And, yeah, there's that and peace, that wholeness. It's right? going to be humble, more humble, and more less yeah. willing to to slam the door on people, mm -hmm. especially. Yeah, because I think that's the most toxic thing is when we totally. Can Can I ask one more question? No, no, seriously, uh, <laughs> no, seriously. No, I, 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 I really do. Yeah, no, like, we're not it's okay, going. Eric, we can we can't reboot the show either. Cause oh. like, oh. <laughs> no, sincerely though, because because like you're you're a kindred spirit, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm tracking with a lot of things you're saying. And I'm rambling, so no, it's great. Oh, that's that's, great. Great. that's why you're the perfect place yeah. to land the plane. No, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> but, about no, but for real, oh, I'm serious. I'm sorry. It's me. Out of left field. I got a good one. Yeah. He's got uh, a good lay it on me. No, I'm just really curious though. Like uh, practically speaking, what does what what is um, spiritual disciplines or spiritual exercises look like for you? Do you uh, have a certain sort of prayer rule or do you meditate or uh, I worked with the Jesus prayer for, for Oh a did while you? And uh, found that uh, and I've shared it with other people and I do go back to it from time to time. Uh, you found that to be helpful? Uh, yes. Uh, at times. I, uh, I, I'm really bad at keeping my meditation practice going, but I got a seven-day retreat coming up. I'm looking forward to that. Like uh, silent? And it's yeah, it, it's uh, vipassana. Oh, you're going uh, on a seven-day uh, vipassana? We, we, yeah, I've done weekend ones. Yeah, I, I did a weekend one. And weekends, well, you just get long enough to get frustrated. Yep. And, but you don't get through to the other side, which I've, uh, I've been told many, read many times. I've heard day three or day four, you hit a wall. <laughs> yeah, and then you then you go through it, and you actually find where you've been trying to go to. You should and do so, mushrooms with us. You get I, there quicker. But. Yeah, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never, uh, Sorry. you know, I've never, I've, and I have never even smoked marijuana or anything, so I've never used well, any. Carlton, any you're at the right place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got to drive. Welcome to the Evergreen State. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's, that a, that's the opposite of the opposite of certainty is not confusion, oh, right? No, no, no he's just. Oh, oh, no. What? That's what? That's the last. <laughs> no, it's sure, go ahead and talk. It's, it's just not on the other recording. No, it's still recording. But right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what, what you're saying is that the opposite of certainty is not confusion. No, it's openness. Yeah. Yeah. It's openness. Yeah. And and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Thanks, Carlton. Thanks, Carlton. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. That's a huge bitch! Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. 
Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! First of all, I plead innocent of all charges. This disc contains CD-ROM data and is not for audio use. Please press stop on your disc player now.